You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be doing a big debrief about Star Wars Celebration. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, uh, you went to Star Wars Celebration, and you're home now. It's done. It's over. Uh, well, I guess, first of all, I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. So that was this, this past three-day weekend. And you did a lot of traveling. You did a lot of work. Uh, how, how was your overall experience at Star Wars Celebration? Uh, you know, it was pretty good, I would have to say. Everything went really smoothly. Didn't have any major hiccups or anything like that. Um, had a lot of fun, uh, got a lot of coverage out of it, enjoyed uh, the trip. Um, I, w- I would say maybe the, the return, not so great because I officially tested positive for COVID today, which is fun. Uh, uh, yeah. Avoided it for over two years. And, uh, you know, I, I knew it was, you know, kind of a risk going into it just because it's a big fan convention. Um, even though, you know, you have to have a health check and like show either proof of vaccination or negative COVID tests, you just never know when there's that many people in a single space Mm -hmm. on top of that traveling now that there's no, you know, masks required on airlines and and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, just a risk, but thankfully symptoms are very mild so far. Honestly, uh, I've had like sinus infections that are worse than this. And the only reason I actually even tested myself was because this morning I suddenly had just a bit of a cough on top of what I assumed was, were my, uh, seasonal allergies acting up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, yeah, so not, nothing too bad right now, just like very mild, cold-like symptoms. So hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, man, all the best for you. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but um, yeah, definitely. Hopefully it, it just stays a, a mild case. But um, okay, so, so you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been following the coverage, but um, how did Star Wars Celebration this year compared to the last time you went? Because I think when you and Peter did a big uh, sort of look ahead to this year's celebration you were talking about how i think you went in 2019 and that was the only year that you went right yeah that was the first time i ever went uh and it was in chicago so it was super convenient for me to cover it uh so this is my first time doing it anywhere else uh doing it in anaheim and i would say to compare the two experiences i think that this one was maybe a little more low-key because in 2019 rise of skywalker hadn't come out yet we actually didn't even know the title we learned the title at star wars celebration 2019 and so uh, that was there was a lot of excitement around that because that was when we found out officially that uh, Palpatine was back and Ian McDiarmid appeared after they played the the first teaser trailer um, which announced the title and so there was a lot of buzz. That was also actually the first year um, that they teased the Mandalorian. That show hadn't been released yet; it wouldn't come out until later that fall. So mm. that was a very exciting uh, Star Wars celebration. So this one. Uh, a little bit more low-key because they didn't have any announcements regarding any of the new Star Wars movies that are in development. It was strictly focused on television shows, so Mandalorian Season 3 and the upcoming Ahsoka show, uh, you know, the new show called Skeleton Crew, and then updates on you know some of the animated side of things. So um, a little bit more chill of a celebration this year. So uh, what was the vibe? Uh, did you get, were you able to pick up a vibe, Brad, from like all of the, I guess, sort of a reading between the lines situation, you know, looking at how much they focused on TV and how little they focused on movie stuff. What was, I guess, what was the, um, your big takeaway in terms of like what the future of Star Wars looks like, or at least what they were willing to talk about the future of Star Wars being like? So I, I think like the biggest thing is just that like, Obviously, when you're at a celebration, and it's specifically for Star Wars fans, like fans are going nuts for anything and everything. Like there, there really wasn't anything that got like, you know, I would say even like a lukewarm uh, reaction. You know, there people are gung ho even for the prequels now. In fact, I would say there's there's tons of fans who are there who like are crazy for the prequels, like to like cheering loudly and endlessly for uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor, and like. Some of the, there was a couple times when like some of the cheesiest lines from the prequels got referenced and fans lost their friggin' minds. <laughs> um, but like I, I think like the but um, maybe the biggest thing is like the I think a, there's a big future in Star Wars for for TV, not just because of the success of the Mandalorian, but uh, now we've seen how fans reacted to to the Obi Wan series and it's been overwhelmingly positive. And uh, during one of the panels uh, about the Mandalorian and the other TV shows that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are working on. Favreau himself even said, I'm definitely going to keep doing this for a while. So there, there's going to be a lot happening with Star Wars television uh, from here on out. And I, I think that, you know, that will probably help supplant any absence there might be as far as uh, waiting for the movies to come out. Mm-hmm. So what was it like being in the room for those big panels? You mentioned that the, you know, the fans were like losing their minds. Um, did it have that same energy as like a, you know, a peak Comic-Con year of being in Hall H and just like, you know, everyone just going completely nuts? Was it, how would it compare to something like that? Yeah, it's definitely on, on par with that. And like, I, um, I would say, you know, like even there's even smaller moments of things that happen where like just fans get so excited. Um 
you know, there's there's a lot a wide variety of things at Comic Con for a bunch of fans to, to get excited about. But here, you know, it's consolidated so that these are all Star Wars fans. They're all excited to see what's what's going on. And so, even just the the littlest thing, like they were eating up uh, Tamora Morrison and Daniel Logan, the uh, actor who played young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones, um, when they were doing the 20th anniversary panel because they were hilarious together, like just sharing anecdotes and joking around with each other and uh, goofing around. That was a lot of fun. And uh, anytime you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen were remotely mentioned, like the crowds just went into uproarious <laughs> cheers and applause. Um, at first, the Attack of the Clones panel was a little disappointing because uh, Hayden and Ewan weren't on it because you know, even though they were there for Obi Wan for the premiere and they were doing other appearances, they just weren't there for the panel until the last fifteen minutes. They showed up and surprised the crowd, and who, of course, went crazy again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's it's the energy is great inside these big panels. Being there for the premiere was a lot of fun because we got to see uh, the first two episodes on the big screen. And when fans found out that everyone in attendance for the Lucasfilm studio panel was going to the premiere, that was just like a moment where deafening roars and applause <laughs> and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's quite an experience being there. So I have to ask you as I remember you saying that like, you know, you, you enjoyed the prequels fine, I guess at the time you were not like a huge fan of them. You know, we, we, we were sort of at that, right age to like enjoy the uh the action elements and and things like that and not really think about it too much um how did it feel being surrounded by people who were just completely in love with the prequels did you feel like um that you were kind of out of place or like you were losing your (laughs) mind when people were reacting this way to things that got like uh pretty objectively terrible responses in the moment when they were initially released You know, I don't know. If anything, I was just kind of in awe about it. You know, just like uh, enough time goes by and anything, you know, is going to find its share of loyal fans, I think. And when it comes to the prequels, you have uh, a whole generation of Star Wars fans who were kids when these movies came out. And so even now as adults, they still love them, much like we still like a lot of the the bad movies we watch as kids just because they hold a certain amount of nostalgia. Um, But there's like there's a lot of passionate love for a lot of the characters and elements that came out of the prequels, you know, and I, I think a big part of it too is that uh Dave Filoni has done such a good job of incorporating a lot of those characters into uh mythology beyond the movies by putting them in the Clone Wars and featuring storylines that even move up towards Star Wars Rebels and stuff that's now you know coming into play in in the Mandalorian and all the other TV shows so I think that it's a lot, enough time has gone by that some of these things are maybe getting a, a little bit more respect or have become more important because of their, their place has expanded in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that there are there are certain things to to like uh, and enjoy about the prequels, even if you don't like the movies overall. Um, I watched Phantom Menace again not too long ago, and one of the things I appreciated about it um, that I think makes it stand taller above Attack of the Clones and even Revenge of the Sith is that the way it was shot it doesn't feel like they did a bunch of, you know, blue screen work and stuff like that. Like, um, a lot of Star Wars fans know and will tell you that Phantom Menace has some of the most miniatures that were ever created for a Star Wars movie. And so there's a lot of practical effects in there. But like even times when they needed like a digital background or, um, you know, something that really wasn't there, it, it looks tangible. It looks good um, on screen. It doesn't feel like a, you know, a blue screen background or a digital creation. And so there's, uh, I think there's a style there that really does feel like it ties back into the original trilogy. And then like, I think you kind of lose that a bit in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. 
Gotcha. Okay. So uh, this is um, sort of a broad question, but I'm curious if you have a read on it. So is there anything that you experienced that maybe people watching or listening or reading about celebration from afar might not know about the convention? Was there like a moment that sort of felt like it was just for the people in the room or like something that that you didn't see that was widely reported on or just it could be anything, you know, a vibe, a, a specific interaction or What's something that you think that, um, you know, that, that being on the ground uh, gave you a vantage point that other people might not have? Um, I mean, I mean, there's one specific like experience that uh, people that were at Star Wars Celebration were able to have. And I was lucky enough to be able to, to check out was um, they announced this uh, little exhibition during the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase panel where they um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni had uh, a bunch of props, costumes, vehicles, uh, and set pieces brought down from the actual set of The Mandalorian and all of the shows they're working on and put them in this installation in the Anaheim Convention Center where you can go and check out. And these are all actual screen-used props that they're still using on the shows. Um, And it wasn't just like a collection of stuff like in glass cases, like... Um, actually only some things were in glass cases, like small, like the things that are small enough that you could steal, you know, like the weapons Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but like they had full costumes and like makeup prosthetics on the mannequins. They had, uh, the actual full size version of Mandalorian's new starship, the modified Naboo starfighter, just sitting in the middle of the room. And it had a, an animatronic Grogu inside of it, looking around and like waving at people. Um, they had like a, a real working Bantha there, like with sounds and like moving its head around and mouth, like it was actually alive. And like they they set it up in such a gorgeous way and had anything and everything you would have wanted to see in person from any of these shows, short of like putting you in the volume, you know, itself and letting mm-hmm. you walk around in in the middle of a, a stagecraft scene. But uh, that yeah, that was something that was really cool. It was like walking around in a you know a little Star Wars museum exhibit. Man, okay, that sounds pretty awesome, actually. Um, so I have three more questions for you, but before I get to those, I want to take a step back and like just have you run through some of the um, the actual like panels and and things that you covered when you were there. I mean, we talked about a lot of the highlights from this stuff, but one thing that I didn't really mention on our day one episode that we did on uh, on Friday was um, John Williams was there, and I know that must have been a pretty cool moment. I was lucky enough to see. John Williams and uh, at the Hollywood Bowl one time when I was living in LA and my parents happened to be there. So it was a really cool experience to share that with them. And and I know he was celebrating a birthday during celebration. And like, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was great too. Um, like you, actually, I was lucky enough uh, to see John Williams perform at the Hollywood Bowl as well. And he performed like everything I ever would have wanted to hear him uh, conduct from Star Wars to Harry Potter to Hook and all that. Um, and yeah, this was a great treat. You know, it was so cool because, uh, you know, you think John Williams was just going to be there, you know, to say hi or something like that. But then uh, they pull up a curtain and they like the stage rolled out a little bit to reveal a full orchestra for him to conduct and so they played the obi-wan theme live for the first time uh he played a couple of the um you know star wars songs that you want to hear like the imperial march and then of course uh played the indiana jones theme which led to harrison ford's surprise appearance which was very cool in itself because harrison ford typically doesn't show up to these kinds of things unless Mm -hmm. he has to so yeah that was uh, definitely something to to really uh enjoy and like uh 
something that I'll, I'll certainly never forget. Yeah. So you also covered the uh, the Light and Magic panel where um, they have this new show on Disney Plus that's coming out called Industrial, or I, I guess it's just called Light and Magic, but it's about yeah. Industrial Light and Magic, the, the visual effects company. Um, so was there anything sort of of note uh, that, that you wanted to mention here on the podcast about that? Or should people just go and read the coverage on Slashfilm? Yeah, I mean, check out the coverage. But like, I'll, what, I, what I'll say here is that this series looks like uh, incredible. This, this is the kind of behind the scenes documentary stuff about showbiz that I, I love to see. Just talking to the people who were there making, you know, movie magic that you have just cherished for years. You know, um, all, all the big people that you, whose name names have become synonymous with incredible special effects, Dennis Murin, Phil Tippett, Joe Johnston, and just hearing them reminisce and talk about what it was like working at ILM and just uh, the vibe of this place and how, how they worked and just how these, you know, people came together from these different creative spaces and were able to pull things off. And you, it's just a, it's one of those things where you really get a vibe for the spirit of how there wasn't anything they didn't think they couldn't do, even if they had no idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just super impressive. And it's, it's, you know, crazy to hear how some, some of these came about. So they, they showed a lot of clips during that panel and it's going to be a really cool series, especially since it's a six part documentary series. So they're really going to dig into the, the meat and potatoes of industrial light and magic. Nice. So there's also uh, an announcement about Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation, uh, which I think we're going to have an article on Slashfilm about by the time you're listening to this. There was an announcement about something called Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures, which is like a Disney Junior you know, show for very young kids. Um, there was also, what else? Let's see. Oh, they, they announced a season two of Star Wars Visions, the mm-hmm. sort of anime inspired series. Were you around for that panel or, or had you had to leave by that point? Yeah, I had to head out by that point. But we had uh, um, one of our freelancers, Carolyn Cow, she uh, covered that for us. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to link to that in the show notes, our, our write-up about that. Because um, I, I remember you liked Visions quite a bit, right? The first season? I did, yeah. Because I'm, okay. I'm not a big anime fan, uh, but I'm a Star Wars fan. And what they did with the Star Wars universe and the style of the, the anime in those episodes it was it was very cool i was very impressed so they also announced uh, the season two of the bad batch i think they showed the trailer for that and then um there's something called star wars tales of the jedi have you did you manage to hear about this at all during your sort of whirlwind uh coverage and, and travels brad yeah so we kind of knew about this before we didn't necessarily know specifically what it was um going to be about but it's yeah it's an animated anthology series uh, that will be focusing on the Jedi in case, you know, that wasn't clear by the, the title. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that seems like it's going to be a pretty exciting new, new series, you know, because, um, it's six all new animated shorts that will be around this fall and like they'll, they'll focus on, or at least feature characters, you know, that we're, we're familiar with like Ahsoka, uh, and Count Dooku. And, um, one of the, the teasers that they, showed had a, a very young Ahsoka Tano with her her mother so we'll learn a little bit more about that character and uh yeah you know the the Jedi themselves even though they've been a prominent part of Star Wars there's a lot of characters that you know can be explored and uh things that you know that they've been involved with in the, the past and current mm-hmm. timeline so there's there's I think there's a um a lot of opportunity there to explore with new stories yeah I think this first season is going to be focusing just on characters from the prequel era but yeah, it yeah. definitely seems like one of those things that they could expand to all sorts of different eras and in, in sure. multiple seasons so um okay so uh we have a bunch of other scattered news items that uh, I will link to in the uh, show notes so I encourage you guys to to click on those and, and check that stuff out but getting back to the, the questions that I have for you Brad like I said I have three left so um did you buy any cool merch you're a big uh merch guy I know you like to 
collect stuff and, and, you know, go on the hunt. Were you able to um, check out the show floor and get anything cool? Yeah, I got a few things that honestly, when it comes to the exclusives uh, from the celebration shop this year, there wasn't a lot that I wanted, but I uh, did make it in there and I got the, the one thing from the shop that I was um, interested in, which is a set of uh, Beskar coasters, uh, Beskar being the uh, rare metal that the Mandalorians uh, use in, in the Mandalorian series. Uh, you see Werner Herzog, give uh, Mando um, a, a big container full of Beskar. And so the, the coasters look exactly like uh, Beskar pieces. They're a little bit thinner, and then they have like a soft felt bottom on them so that they can uh, you know sit on your table as coasters and not clang around when you put them on the table. Nice. So, yeah, those are very cool. And then uh, on, actually on a similar note, uh, one of the things that I found out that they were selling um, at Disney Parks uh, was a Camtono. And this is something for more hardcore Star Wars fans. Uh, the the Camtono is the container that I just mentioned from The Mandalorian. But even before it appeared in The Mandalorian uh, as a container for Beskar and what have you, uh, it was kind of uh, famous because a character known as Wilro Hood is seen running through Cloud City in The Empire Strikes Back when the city is being evacuated. And he's carrying this item that in Star Wars is called a Camtono, but it was actually a modified ice cream maker. And so this has been something that fans have latched onto, and there have been a bunch of people who have dressed up like that character and turned ice cream makers into this prop. And there's uh, at celebration, and there's even a an event that they have called um, the running of the Wilro Hoods, where they all get together and they have their Camtonos and stuff like that, and it's like a little mini parade. And so. <laughs> They sold the Camtono at Disney Parks uh, for the first time on May 27th. It's it's uh, basically it looks just like the the one from uh, the show, but uh, the function of it is made to be like a safe that has like a, a button combination on top that you can set yourself. So when you mm-hmm. open it, the flaps fold down and you can put you know whatever you want to uh, inside of it. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I grabbed that from Disney Parks, and it's uh, I don't know if it's going to be available now, but it went live today uh, at shopdisney.com. So if you want one of those those, you might be able to get your your hands on it. Otherwise, uh, the secondary market might be your best friend. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the the running of the Wilro Hoots. Before I get to the, the final two questions for you, um, I recall Peter saying that, uh, I think maybe because of COVID, or I'm not sure what the restrictions were, the um, the masking and, and sort of cosplay situation was going to be a little bit different this year. I think it must have been because of COVID. Um, so what was that experience like for you? I think Peter was was uh, predicting that a lot of that stuff was going to be done outside of the convention center where the, the whole thing was held. Um, did it feel weird to you that people weren't able to do their full like, uh, you know, uh, immersive costume experiences inside the convention center? What was that like? Uh, it didn't. And honestly, like... <sighs> I don't know if it was just something that they pulled back on a little bit, but I felt like I saw a pretty decent amount of people who still had like uh, certain like helmets and like face gear and stuff on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was just a matter of them not necessarily going full tilt on trying to stop that, but mm. um, yeah, still saw, saw that. I don't know if I think about it, there might've been like less people like that in the convention center, but there were definitely plenty of, uh, you know, helmeted and uh, masked people outside uh, the, of the convention center as well. So they were still definitely around getting getting photos and whatnot. I actually, one of the interesting thing was um, Lucasfilm seemed to be like doing a cool thing where they were like promoting uh, and showing like fans who were dressed up in cosplay still wearing like face masks for COVID protection and whatnot mm-hmm. because they uh one guy like when i was waiting to get in the convention center who was with the lucasfilm crew had a character um who had like a 
the part of the um, they were dressed like Sam Wessel, and so the part of their costume, you know, does have a thing covering their face, and so but they asked them to like when they show them to like first show them like with their you know gear on, and then to like take it off and like show that they were wearing like a mask under it and stuff like that. So that was that was interesting. Nice. Okay, so final questions for you, Brad. Uh, what was your biggest disappointment of Star Wars Celebration 2022? Um, aside from not meeting you and McGregor, um, <laughs> I, I would say I was a little disappointed that they didn't have at least one movie announcement. You know, I was hoping they would at least give us something uh, to chew on from Taika's movie, since that's supposed to be the first one out of the gate. Um, but yeah, no movie announcements. That, that was a little bit of a, of a bummer. So um, I would say that's probably the biggest disappointment. Okay, and then how about on the opposite end of the spectrum, your favorite moment from the whole time you're there? Uh, my favorite moment, um, this is something that didn't happen at the convention center, but something that I was just able to do because I was there as press covering the event. And that's, uh, we got tickets to go to Disneyland after dark, uh, which is an exclusive ticketed event that you have to like, um, really try hard to get a ticket for. And this allowed me to go to return to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and ride Rise of the Resistance for the first time. And they even had a 45-minute window where people with a press wristband uh, were the only ones allowed on the ride for a bit. So I rode it three times in a row. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And that ride is some kind of impressive feat of theme park engineering. It is so cool. And, like, it fits in amazingly with the, like, immersive element of having a story that runs through Galaxy's Edge and this this location called Batuu. And they just do a phenomenal job of really making you feel like you're caught up uh, in a story as as it, it happens. And just, yeah, what they did with this ride is is incredible. And uh, just the, the way they use space by not, by having so much empty space, like some of you have probably seen like videos and pictures like that, but like when you walk onto the docking bay of a Star Destroyer and there's like dozens of stormtroopers standing in front of you and there's enough space for like a full-size TIE fighter, like you really feel the size of the Star Destroyer. And then like, there's another point when you're making your escape and you uh, cruise into this place where there's several AT-ATs that are waiting and like, they're just massive above you. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it was so cool. Man, that sounds awesome. So yeah, I, I remember you had a chance to go to the park once before, and this is the first time that you've been back since Rise of the Resistance was around. So that obviously had to be a highlight. But was there anything else about being in the park for the second time that you got to experience this time that you didn't the first time around or that was different because of this sort of special um uh, coding that they put on this whole experience for the for celebration yeah so uh, it, um it, the disneyland after dark event was actually a special star wars event so there was like a massive amount of star wars fans all around the park not just in uh star wars galaxy's edge and so they had a bunch of cool stuff situated around like they turned hyper um, space mountain into hyperspace mountain so it's a little bit different of, of an experience they have a bunch of like random photo opportunities with like ewoks and cool little, little set pieces they have a, a cantina band playing out on on the boat in the middle of uh, disneyland they have a big hmm. fireworks show. Um, they had a, a lightsaber meetup around the Millennium Falcon in Galaxy's Edge where everybody there who had a lightsaber just gathered around and lit up their lightsabers. And it's just it's a really cool sight to see everyone there just uh, sticking their, their, you know, glowing lightsabers into the air. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a very cool experience. I'm, I'm glad I was able to be part of it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for uh, giving us the big debrief, Brad. I know it was a a very busy, uh, very exciting time. So um, thanks for taking some time. And and yes, uh, all the best with the the COVID diagnosis. I hope everything uh, goes smoothly and that you're feeling feeling good in the days to come. So 
Um, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna link to a bunch of stuff in the show notes, so I encourage everybody to go there and read more all about uh, the, the stories that we the, we mentioned. And of course, you can go to slashfilm.com and find all this stuff as well. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.